And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Episode number 131 of The Drop Set today, brought to you by and powered by this thing right here, Isopure, and uh, this stuff right here, Lucky Charms. Yes, that's what that's what I'm running on today for fuel. So, uh, all all standard uh, standard parts of uh, of the the official diet of the drop set, I guess you could say. Uh, how you doing? Uh, I have really kind of devolved into a, a once a week kind of uh, podcast here over the summer. It's just, summers are tricky, you know. They're they're very difficult here, you know. With uh, with a wife being a teacher, she's off for the summer. My whole schedule is just a little bit different during these months, so uh, we'll be returning back to a more fall-like schedule within a couple weeks, so just bear with me. I still might try to work into it. It just kind of depends on availability. Uh, I I am going to kind of wing it a little bit for the most part here, so we'll just uh, record when we have to, and if, you know, Mondays and Fridays are the days, and if uh, I think Friday is is typically proven to be a pretty pretty easy way to work it in, um, but uh, Mondays are a little bit more hit or miss, so we'll see what happens coming this uh, this coming Monday here. It's going to be kind of a, uh, a crazy, crazy little weekend here. Um, I'm actually taking some time off from the gym. I know you're like, dude, you just took like nine days off last month for your vacation. Yeah, and then I really kicked some ass on my workouts for the last few weeks, and I'm dead right now. So I'm taking today, tomorrow, and Sunday off, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, to just rest up, recover. I've got a new workout split starting that will be starting on Monday most likely. So, um and I had I had talked with my coach before about like, hey, you know, we work through a split for four weeks, and then I might take like four or five days to to deload or rest, just knowing like how powerful that break was. And uh, she's like, yeah, it sounds, sounds like a great idea. So I'm going to kind of take the initiative here and just take three days. I'm not quite done with the fourth week on this split, but I know today is legs. And I know if I went in for it, it would be like a 60% effort. That's about all I've got in the tank. And uh, I would rather just take the weekend to recover. We'll hit legs on Monday and get, get started off to a new, uh, uh, hopefully a, a powerful start next time around. Uh, what, what else is going on? So, uh, I, I'm once again, attempting to do show notes here. So we will see, uh, see if I have the ability to kind of keep that going on. Um, what else is going on in the personal world? Uh, so tonight we're going to see a play downtown that we've got some friends in tomorrow night. Uh, the other singer in our band is singing with a swing band actually. So we're going to go watch her in neighboring Loudoun, Tennessee, um, and then Sunday, my wife's got a baby shower. Sunday's like my day off. We did record at band practice last night for our trio. We recorded nine songs actually. So, and by that, I mean like had everything hooked up to the multi-track recorder on my computer that I have over there and, uh, had the mics and, uh, the keyboard going into the multi-track. We recorded everything live. We didn't do any overdubs or anything like that. I may go back and overdub a little percussion or something on top of that just because, um, we had a couple songs that call for a little hand percussion. It's just easier and to, to separate in the mix if I don't record it all live. So may do a couple overdubs on that. But then I'm going to be mixing a few things and putting out some demo tracks because we have uh, we have our website officially registered for the band. It's famouslastwordstrio.com. If you go there right now, you will see a spectacular 
parked page that says his website has been parked. Uh, so, so I have not yet uh, not yet designed it, but that, that'll happen. It's fairly easy. We've got a few photos to put up there, and then we want to put our demo tracks up. So we'll get those on SoundCloud, um, and then uh, let the gigs roll in, and then fame and fortune will soon follow. Uh, what else has been going on? The lawn update. I haven't done much of a, a lawn update uh, just because... It's summer, and my goal right now is just to keep what I've got alive. And with as hot as it's been, and we've had many, many days without rain, it's like it's been really dicey just trying to keep things from not dying. Uh, this grass is like hanging on for dear life right now. We did have some good rain yesterday and the day before, so I didn't have to water anything the last two days. I probably will today, even though we got a good soaking that's going to dry up really fast, just with the heat uh, and the sun that we get here in Knoxville. It's nuts. So things will dry up. I might be able to survive um, not watering things today, but tomorrow for sure. I don't think we're due to get any more rain for a little while here. I should probably check that, because I know you all are totally fascinated by that. Yes, Darren, please, please regale us with tales of the Knoxville weather forecast. We all really, really care. Hey, shut up. I don't need that kind of snark here yeah i mean might get some on saturday i don't know we'll see i got a massage scheduled for this afternoon that is going to be nice and helpful so let's uh let's dig into it here so we are now at the what 520 mark roughly let's talk about the npc and the ifbb a little bit so i'm gonna tag this into my show notes as what npc well let's start with the ifbb update and the news of the week so ifbb update regarding the reigning mr olympia mr sean roden so um, it was in the news uh, a little while back. Uh, what were the, I should probably look this up and get the exact date so I can kind of, uh, give you a, um, give you a little bit more of a, a proper account. So it was from TMZ actually. And the date on this was, what was it? July 13th. Okay. I'm, I'm all, you know, this happened after our last episode, actually, this almost qualifies as news. Um, so, uh, what was it? Uh, Sean Roden was charged with first degree rape in Utah. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, he said he has been a- arrested, but a warrant has not been issued according to salt, uh, cops in Salt Lake city. So, um, this was back in October, 2018 when the alleged incident occurred. And of course, uh, one thing that goes without saying is that these are all allegations right now. Nothing has been proved. Uh, and, what I want to do in talking about this is, I don't know, you can call this a cop-out, but I want to kind of avoid the the issue of uh, allegations in the Me Too era. Um, just because I don't know, there, there are a lot of people saying, oh, well, you know what? I mean, you know, anybody can accuse a guy of anything and suddenly his career's over, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. It doesn't mean that it did. I do have a little bit of an issue with the rush to judgment on a lot of this stuff, how everybody is just condemned um, before uh, before any facts are really known. However, at the same time, these are all choices that people, businesses, organizations can make. Like If they decide that they don't want to be associated with somebody who has been accused of something like this, that is their decision. And they can also face backlash if it comes out that that person was wrongly accused. It's like, okay, well, this organization cut ties with somebody based on an allegation that turned out not to be false, and I think there should be some backlash for that. Um, But at the same time, 
it's an absolute freedom of speech issue. I mean, you know, if if AMI, the company that uh, the the parent company of the uh, Olympia organization, decides that they do not want the reigning Mister Olympia at their show, that's their prerogative. They're a private organization. You know, I mean, <laughs> the the problem with this would come to be if somebody decided, well, we're going to put him in jail based on these allegations. That is not happening. Uh, you know, I mean, he he well, I mean, he has been um, said a warrant. He's been arrested, but I believe he's out on. Bail. Um, bail was set for seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Um, I actually don't know if he is out yet or not. If not, that would certainly throw a monkey wrench into the old prep. Um, but I believe he is out. Um, yeah, this article is a little lacking in details. Um, so David Pecker, I'll, I'll just read this from the update from TMZ. This is uh, this was on the day of these allegations. So. Um, uh, David Pecker is the chairman and CEO of uh, AMI, which is the, uh, the also the, the company that has a controlling interest over the Olympia contest. Um, announced Friday that Sean Roden's eligibility to compete in the 2019 Mr. Olympia competition has been revoked and that he won't be able to compete in any future competitions either. Uh, on top of that, Pecker said that his company, American Media, is suspending all coverage of Roden and any and all of his subsidiary media brands, including Muscle and Fitness as well as Flex, until his case is resolved. So that seems a little extreme. All Any future competitions? Now, of course, he can always backtrack on that. If, if I'm Sean Roden, though, and let's say hypothetically I'm innocent of this, boy, uh, I'm starting a vendetta against this guy. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell, man? All future competitions because I was accused of something that didn't happen? Again, I'm saying hypothetically if it didn't happen. Um, I'm just trying to game it out from both perspectives. It's like, man, that is shitty. That is a little bit of an overreach right there. Um, I think a wait-and-see approach is much smarter. And the IFBB took a very, uh, you know, again, the IFBB, you know, the, the Olympia is an IFBB contest, but it is put on, funded by, I mean, the, the governing body over it is AMI, uh, David Pecker, which is the CEO. Um, the IFBB put out a statement saying, this is on July 14th, um, which would have been the day after these allegations. The IFBB Professional League has not at this time taken any actions for or against Sean Roden. Following the advice of our attorneys, the IFBB will continue to closely monitor the situation while respecting the rights of the accuser, the accused, and the company which owns and operates the prestigious Mr. Olympia contest. This is a difficult and emotional time for all involved. Fairly safe statement, a little bit milk toast, but I think a totally appropriate reaction. They followed that up the next day. Quote, after confirmation by its attorneys and the seriousness of the criminal charges brought late last week against Sean Roden by Utah authorities following a lengthy investigation, the IFBB understands and respects David Pecker and AMI's decision to revoke Mr. Roden's eligibility to compete in the 2019 Mr. Olympia contest. So uh, they really have no uh, no grounds to argue. I, I don't think I don't I'm not uh, I'm not a lawyer. I am not finally versed in all of the legal complexities of this. But I believe if David Pecker and AMI decide that they don't want him there, that's the uh, th there is no recourse for that. That's how it's going to be. Uh, that's the end of the statement. So <clears throat> it, it's it's very strange. I cannot recall a time when a reigning Mr. Olympia uh it's has been uh, barred from defending this title. It's very interesting. So we live in interesting times. That is something that is, uh, well, thank you, Captain Obvious. Of course we do. Uh, so along with this, there, there was some chatter uh, coming from Kai Green, and I did not dig into this because, as you know, you followed this before. I only tangentially really care about like the, the, the extreme high levels of professional bodybuilding. It becomes more about 
personalities and it's just, you know it just doesn't have much of a real bearing on what happens with the people that I work with on a daily basis so uh and I don't know I, I just find it to be not not super interesting to to be totally frank also um but uh Kai Green there there was some chatter about him getting ready for this show and uh, but I, I don't even remember the last time he competed, but he's not qualified for the Olympia. But then, uh, some people were saying, well, it would be dumb if they didn't let him compete. I'm like, well, how, how is that right? And so I'm, I'm curious to see what happens here. Like if he, if he makes noise and he appears to be getting ready for this, is he going to be allowed to compete? Because there is a qualification process and I don't care who you are. If you're Kai Green or anybody else, you don't get to sidestep that qualification process. Um, and he has been absent from the Olympia stage for long enough that he does not have an automatic qualification. Now, maybe, uh, I mean, the way this all works is very, very nebulous, like trying to find details on the, the points and qualification system to actually get up on the Olympia stage is pretty tricky. I mean, if you win a pro show the previous year, you're automatically qualified, which is why you get a lot of people doing these shows internationally or, you know, shows that are a little off the beaten path, because if you can come in sharp and win that, you get an automatic qualification. Otherwise, based on how you play in these pro shows, you accumulate a certain number of points, and once you pass a certain threshold, then you qualify as well. So Kai Green has done nothing on any of those fronts to qualify for the Olympia. So if they just decide to let him in because he's Kai Green, uh, uh, I'm I'm done with it at that point. It's like, <laughs> I mean, you have no legitimacy. You're going to let somebody in just based on their reputation and sidestep all the rules and, like, you've got to do this. So anyway, I don't want to condemn right now because it hasn't happened. Uh, but it's something I'm watching closely. Uh, it's one of the few things. Like this is the intrigue of the Olympia for me. I don't care about who wins. If they let him compete, uh, it's game over. And this has lost any shred of legitimacy that they are hanging on to right now. And I will just not. I, I will have a tough time giving even a quarter of a shit about it going forward. So it's just not fair to people that are are going through the process, trying to earn points and qualify. If somebody gets to leapfrog that based on their stature and reputation in the industry, I'm not cool with that. Not at all. Not at all. You got to have rules. Otherwise, um, what? <laughs> we're, we're a uh, we're just dissolve into anarchy. Nobody wants that. Well, I don't know. Some people might want that. So that is uh, that is the IFBB update. Uh, so uh, and uh, OK, so uh, now let, let's get into a, an, a more NPC centric update here. So. Uh, and th this impacts the IFBB as well. So there was, uh, finally on the 17th, two days ago, the NPC through NPC News Online put out their uh, guidelines and criteria for the wellness division. Okay, wellness, uh, yeah, wellness division. So um, it it's interesting overall. Um, I'm still not a fan. Um, and I've seen some people come in and they're like, I'm thinking about this and you know, in invariably, it's been people that do, do not really meet the criteria that this division is looking for at all. Like, you know, the the, the best way to put, the, put it, if you're going to try and use one phrase to sum up the wellness division, it's bottom heavy. That's it. Legs and glutes. That's really all they care about. That's what they're looking for. And the funny thing is, if, if you follow what's what's going on across the world, this is very much like a Brazilian slash South American aesthetic. For whatever reason, this has become uh, the, the fashionable way to sculpt yourself uh, as a female bodybuilder in, in that region. 
for whatever reason. I'm not sure why, but okay. So th now this is like an attempt to kind of bring that here for some reason. I'm not really sure that it's necessary, but yeah, I mean, if, if you look at the, the women that are competing here, they're not like sticks from the waist up, you know, I mean, they've got some muscle, but their, their legs and glutes are just completely disproportionate to everything else. And that, that is considered the winning aesthetic, which yeah, I'm not a, not a big fan of that, you know, old school bodybuilder, I like balance. Um, and so same thing I've complained about with figure and women's physique as well, how, you know, we're just embracing these cartoonish proportions that just throw the concept of actual aesthetic balance out the window. It's like the, the more cartoonish you can make yourself, the better guys are, are, um, subject to that as well. Um, I, I just, you know, aesthetics used to mean something and now it doesn't, it's just about embracing different kinds of extremes. So anyway, I'll save that rant for another day. Uh, what they say here, quote, this division is for females with athletic physiques that showcase more body mass in the hips, glutes, and thigh areas. There's that word. Uh, the upper body is developed, but not to the same degree as the lower body. So they are specifically saying we are looking for a lack of symmetry. This is what bodybuilding has become, where the rules encourage a lack of symmetry. I don't get it. Um, high class breakdowns, blah, blah, blah. Nobody cares. Um, front pose. Competitors will face front with one hand on hip, one arm straight down, and one leg slightly extended. This, they, they keep rec repeating this phase throughout the whole document. We do not want to see the arm off to the side with the elbow bent and the wrist bent upwards. Okay, interesting. Um, quarter turn right. Competitors will turn slightly facing the judges with the right hand on the hip and left arm straight down and right leg bent at the knee. More like the twisting side pose that bikini competitors perform. Um, we don't, I don't really like how informal all these descriptions are, but they do include photo examples here. So, I mean, you have a better idea here. They include a couple examples of this quarter turn pose. So it's going to be a, a quarter turns, but it looks, it's very much a, a bikini style aesthetic, uh, much more so than figure. Nobody's doing a, you know, like strict figure style quarter turns or anything like that. The quarter turn to the rear, um, very much, uh, looks like the bikini, um, back pose competitors will face the rear with lower back arch glutes pushed back. We do not want to see the arm off to the side with the elbow bent and the wrist bent upwards. They keep saying that. And then they include two photos of, um, is this the same competitor? No, different competitors. The hand placement is different. One of them is like textbook exactly what I tell people not to do as far as what their hands are doing and I, why they would include that as one of the two samples on a style of pose here. I don't know because it looks terrible. Um, quarter turn to the right. So this is just, you know, the mirror image of the first quarter turn pose. Model walk. As it is currently performed in the bikini division, listen to instructions from the head judge. Thanks. That's really helpful. Um, as with all other divisions, no lewd acts are permitted. Again, with no uh, no description or examples of what those lewd acts might be. Um, we do not want to see the arm off to the side with the elbow bent and the wrist bent upwards as seen below. Um, and then they, they show a couple examples of that. What I notice here is that um, they do not put anything on this graphic with like a circle with a line through it saying don't do this so as you're scrolling through the page uh if you don't read carefully you're gonna be like oh okay this is what they want i guarantee you probably about 30 to 40 percent of women in the wellness division will probably execute this pose like this on stage <laughs> if they're not working with a posing coach and it begs the question why not what's wrong with this i mean i i think it kind of looks dumb but uh, it's what they do internationally. It's kind of like the accepted pose. I mean, you can see there's a lineup of three women, four women doing this exact same pose all on the same stage right next to each other. It is clearly the standard. Why don't they want that? Um, they want to be different. Okay, I get that, but why? Why? I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Um, frequently asked questions. 
Level of conditioning. We are looking for conditioning almost on par with bikini athletes. Almost on par? What does that mean? More or less? Um, but the athletes will have slightly more muscle. Okay, we want to see a little body fat with slight separations but no striations. Okay, so we want more muscle, but the way I read this is not quite as lean as the bikini division. Huh? What? Okay, I don't know. Abs defined like figure or less defined like bikini, as it currently is in bikini. Okay, great. Um, shoulders, rounded and capped like figure in WPD or less pronounced like bikini. Slightly more developed than bikini and a little less than figures, but not as lean and with no striations. Not like women's physique. Okay, well, that's kind of clear. How much definition for quads? <laughs> it's, like, it's like you can put a number on this and say, well, we want a seven. I mean... <laughs> The quad should display an athletic appearance with slight separations, but no striations. <laughs> uh, I wonder how many people know the difference between separation and striation. Uh, I'm, I'm curious about that because I tell you what, there, there are miles of conditioning differences between those two. Um, like it is, it is not that difficult to see some separation and you, you can have a lot of separation before any striations start to show up. So I'm just curious how many people really know the difference. And again, slight separation, no strike. Well, that doesn't really help because there's again, a whole wide range where you could fit into that. Um, and as, as I've talked about before, and as everybody in here who has ever competed has probably experienced all of these judging guidelines mean absolutely nothing if they're not adhered to. And you know what's going to happen is that, you know, the judges are going to end up rewarding the competitors that have the most development and come in the leanest because nobody's going to show up exactly right. And so you're going to have some that are just a little bit too soft, some that are a little bit too sharp. You're going to reward the ones that are too sharp 10 times out of 10, always. Uh, it's universal and that happens enough times. And then you get all those people. They're the ones that are nationally qualified. They show up on the national show, national stage. And then suddenly your first round of pros are going to be way more defined than what they really had in mind for this division. So it's all about judging standards, not really being adhered to. That will be a problem with this. It will be a problem with every division that's ever introduced going at looking ahead to 2045 when we have shows that take six days to get through because we have, you know, 19 divisions for women and 14 divisions for men to get through so and there's there's only going to be six shows because every one of them is a week long and suddenly that's your you know six month uh eight month competitive season so um glute development full round glutes slight separation between the hamstring no striations blah 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 glutes glutes will be bigger than current bikini competitors they'll not be as lean and defined uh, rules and restrictions on suits same thing rules and restrictions on shoes and heels same thing jewelry same thing no poison no posing oil just glazed as currently done for bikini and figure so um i don't know i am uh i still think it's a dumb idea uh i don't think it's necessary at all um you know, especially if, if the conditioning as uh as it's listed here is supposed to be like less than the bikini division that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense um if it's supposed to be kind of the tweener division that doesn't really jive with that aesthetic but if that's what they're looking for then that's what they're looking for so um yeah there there is that so we've got a, a voicemail here to get to so let's switch gears and jump into that hey dan this is mark rivera from uh, wilmington north carolina um, I had a two-part question. The first one was, is uh, how do you deal with, uh, you know, the being able to have a good relationship with food? For me personally, I usually, if I'm on prep, then it's either it's like I cut everything out, or if I'm not on prep, then it's like it's a free-for-all, and it's kind of a difficult, like, struggle with me. The second one is, is uh, we talked about it a little bit, but 
how do you keep the type of intensity that you're looking for in the gym at all times? Um, I know with, like, uh, for instance, one of the podcasts I just listened to with you, you were talking about, like, really being able to, you know, consistently keep that intensity to be able to build that muscle. How do you do that? Thanks. Those are both very good and worthwhile topics for discussion. So thanks, Mark. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, when it comes to your relationship with food, it's really, really tricky because I always say that bodybuilding is one of those things that's basically just an eating disorder waiting to happen. It can be if you let it be. And I've been down that road and I've walked back it and I've gone down it again and I've walked back it again in my many years doing this. So it's it kind of comes with the territory. Um, and I always feel like for me... And, Everybody's a little bit different on this, but for me, when it's when I'm in a cut, it's worst because it's restrictive, and then you just start daydreaming about all the stuff that you can't eat. Um, that's when it really starts to compound and add up for me. And then you know I do a pretty good job of keeping myself in check and not acting on those impulses when I'm still in a cut and when it still you know really matters. But then once that's over the floodgates are open and then it's binge territory so it's kind of like all of the stuff that happened during the cut while it was on plan that kind of set the stage for all the shit that goes down afterwards so and for some people it's just the opposite you know it's it's either you know you're overly restricted and then it just turns into a free-for-all like mark said and that's very common and one thing that i have started taking a little bit of a uh, i mean i've started to to change how i think about it a little bit and that's just using food i mean it's a tool and this this there was a uh post from shelby starnes that he made a while back uh and, you know he's a prep coach and he's kind of like the uh I don't know, the the yoda of prep coaches he's he's worth a follow because he has a lot of great wisdom out there but he said you know your your, your diet is a tool and a carpenter does not develop an emotional attachment to their hammer it's a tool same thing with your diet so I think trying to remove the emotional attachment that you have to food is helpful. And I think having fewer emotional swings in general and just greater stability makes it a lot easier. Um, so there is something to be said for the the concept that, you know, if you're going to prep, it helps to kind of have your shit together a little bit. Certainly not essential. It makes it easier. It makes it for a, a lower degree of difficulty. And it's something that's already hard. So, you know, set yourself up for success. You know, um, it, it's kind of like, you know, don't uh, don't prep during vacation. Don't prep through your wedding, that kind of thing, because you're just going to stress yourself out. You're putting yourself in a situation where it is expected, if not encouraged, um, to go off the rails when it comes to food. Uh, yeah, a lot of this is cultural as well. I mean, I think in uh, in the States, it's more of a problem than it is elsewhere because we develop um this emotional attachment to our food and we we assign it all these superpowers like it can fix us and make us feel better if we eat this or that and it's just none of it's true you know i mean that i don't know if the concept of of comfort food really translates much outside of outside of the states i wouldn't be surprised if it didn't um you know, food is not comforting. Um, emotional stability is comforting. And I think if you just kind of remember that, um, it, it can help. You know, a, a warm blanket and a good book can be comforting. Uh, there are lots of things that you can do that are comforting or reassuring or can put you in just a more general place of internal peace that are not related to food. And I think the more you focus on exploring those things and using those as tools, I think the better off you will be. And that's something that I always... I always try to do myself, and you know, sometimes I, I do better than others. Sometimes I fail miserably, but you know, it's you, you can't beat yourself up over it either. I mean, put put in your best effort and acknowledge if you you don't quite 
hit the mark, um, but don't feel the need to beat yourself up about it, but use that as an opportunity to kind of reflect and troubleshoot, um, which is really the only, the only appropriate response. Um, you know, feeling guilty about it or beating yourself up over it is just going to compound the issue. You got to let that shit go and let it roll off your back. It just really doesn't matter all that much. Uh, and during an, uh, during an off season, I mean, the goal is to grow. So one thing that I always tell people is, yeah, this is when you can get away with a cheat meal, but guess what? It's optional. You don't have to do it. You've got enough calories. You don't need to force feed yourself more. Um, you know, during, during a cut, there is a legitimate metabolic and physiological reason for a cheat meal. Uh, you know, if you are, uh, if you're pushing with an appropriate level of intensity, you've got to refill that gas tank. You know, you've got to stop and fill up every now and then you're not going to make a cross country trip in your car unless you stop at a gas station every now and then same thing for prep. You're not going to make it from week one to week 16, uh, it, without without coming in and for for a, a caloric surplus from from time to time, that's assuming that your training intensity is on point. I don't know how to extend that variable or that metaphor into the car thing, unless it's like you know if you're driving ten miles per hour, you're driving a car where if you go ten miles per hour, you have unlimited gas. There you go. Um, you're gonna want to go all the way across the country in that. No, it's more beneficial to step it up, use some fuel, go a little faster, stop and fuel up which slows things down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like driving your car backwards for a little bit. You know, you, you, uh, you, you have that refeed or that cheat meal, the scale goes up a little bit and it's supposed to go down. Oh damn. It's supposed to happen. Not a big deal. Just like when you stop for gas, you're not chewing up road and that's okay. You've got to do it. You've got to stop for a second. So, um, but during the off season, it is certainly not essential. You don't need it for any reason other than the fact that you know you can, and you've been telling all your family just wait until I'm in growth phase, and then we can go out to dinner regularly. You know that kind of thing. But um, you know, it's optional. And just because you're going out doesn't mean you have to eat everything under the sun. You can have a very reasonable and controlled meal. Like the last, what was it last weekend? Maybe the weekend before, we went to uh, Lakeside Tavern here nearby, and you know. During a growth phase, I'm not really all that hungry. I mean, like, I can always eat. You always put food in front of me. I'm always going to eat it. I don't have a problem with that. I'm not really hungry, though. So uh, we went out. Um, I had a little bit of the bread that they brought to the table because Lakeside has the best bread anywhere. So that is not a secret. And um, the uh, what I ordered was just a steak and uh, mashed potatoes. I mean, it was probably about on par with what my normal meal would have been calorically. So, um, just because you're going out doesn't mean you have to stuff your face. Uh, don't, don't use it as an excuse for that. You know, be honest with yourself about why something like that exists and don't feel like you have to make it something that it doesn't have to be. So, um, regarding sustaining intensity, I'm going to talk more about this, um, momentarily, but, uh, a lot of it comes down to mindset and, you know, progressive overload and Mark, Mark, you and I have been back and forth on that recently. And I said, I was going to have some more to talk about there and I will shortly. So I might just defer the second half of that in greater detail until I talk about it in just a few minutes here. So, um, it, it comes down to, to focus and mindset as much as anything else, like always prepare yourself like you're going to war, like put yourself in that mindset. Um, and keep in mind also, it's not a linear thing and it's not going to be something that exists without bumps in the road. You, know, you will have off days. You'll have off weeks periodically. But when you zoom out and you look at bodybuilding as something that happens over the course of many years, you have a few rough days, you know, an off week here and there. It's not a big deal. Um, what you've got to do is be able to put that out of your head and come back. And like th this week for me is a great example of that. You know, I mentioned I'm taking three days off here. 
you know, I went in for a workout on Monday. I was not focused. Um, I went and I did two sets and I left. <laughs> I knew that I was going to take Tuesday off. And I'm like, you know what? No, I'm not going to take Tuesday off. I'm going to go back and I'm going to try and do Monday's workout over again. Cause it was just, I was not in a good headspace. I was dealing with some, some client situations that just for whatever reason they got under my skin, got in my head a little bit. And it's just, it, it, it put me in that zone. So, and it happens to anybody. So, you know, you, you can have things with, with work, with, um, you know, your relationship with, um, you know, car troubles or stuff can stress you out. Stuff can get in your head. You've got to develop a skill set to be able to channel that or at least forget about it for a little bit. But that doesn't mean you can't still fail on that front. But if, if you come in distracted and unfocused, certainly your intensity is going to suck and suffer. And that is to be expected. So you've got to set yourself up um, to be in a situation where that happens less and less and less. That's the first thing. Um, take good notes. Uh, and, and then just, you know, it's the more you've got to, you've got to embrace that mindset of the life or death set. Um, like, okay, here, here is the weight, here is my rep target. And I need to perform this set as though there's a gun to my head. And if I fall short of this rep target, well, it'll be my last set. Uh, and you know, kind of put yourself in that fight or flight mentality, let your adrenaline kick in a little bit. It's tough to do that when you're in the gym by yourself or surrounded by other people that are ignoring you and have nothing to do with you. So you've got to kind of embrace that character and get into that mode yourself. Um, and then there becomes the issue also of, you know, lifting with that kind of intensity, that kind of abandon while not putting yourself at a higher risk for injury, which can be tricky, but there's, there's a lot of gray area in between playing it safe and playing it really risky. And that's where we need to spend all of our time pretty much is in that very, very large gray area there. So, um, I, I think by, by and large, that's big picture conceptually how to approach it. Um, just that, that life or death, do or die kind of thing where you're just totally lying to yourself and making up a story in your head that encourages you to, encourages you to push that much harder. Um, and if you can do that and you can believe that and not crap out and not get to like, you know, rep eight out of 10 and you just want to die and you're like, okay, well, there isn't really anybody there. It's not a big deal. I can get, I can, I can ass out on this set and it's not a big deal. Yeah. You can ass out on the set and it's not a big deal, but you're also not going to grow. <laughs> so what do you want to do? Do you want to be comfortable and not experience some, uh, temporary pain or do you want to actually grow and get some results? Cause there's no way you're going to grow and get results unless you put yourself in a very uncomfortable place and you spend a lot of time there. So, um, okay. So now where are we at here? We are at the 34 minute and eight second mark. So now is where I mark that we are moving on to the next segment here, which is, uh, appropriately titled NPC done fucked up. Yes, they did. So I've been sitting on this for a little while here and I'm not going to go into tremendous detail, but I just wanted to, to relay this as a way to verbalize some outrage and also, um, to, to try and, I don't know, raise awareness and create some kind of momentum to, to get things changed and fixed. So, um, client of mine a couple weeks back, Kristen, hi Kristen, how you doing? Um, she went and did the NPC universe show in New Jersey and, uh, I felt really good about her chances there. We had a very rocky prep, but she pulled through and everything came together just about as ideal as I would have hoped, um, for the final week. Um, considering, you know, she flew from, Hawaii to New Jersey. That's not a fun flight. Um, and then had to get settled in. And, you know, we, we were coming off some other issues just before peak week started. And you know, I felt reasonably good going into that final week or so. I'm like, okay, I think we got this. And then it all kind of came together and worked out really well. So um, we knew after after prejudging that, um, you know, she was doing 
figure open and masters 35 plus very tough field um and what we knew is that uh, it seemed likely that for masters we were looking at fourth which was great happy with that long story short some shit went down backstage people were misinformed relaying wrong information and she missed her call out um for her class for masters 35 plus and got entered in the books as a did not finish as opposed to a fourth. Um, now if you've been backstage at shows like that, they're not exactly huge spaces. Everything's kind of cramped. There's a lot going on. A lot of people all over the place, a lot of noise, tons of competitors. Um, there's expediters trying to wrangle people and, you know, get things together and whatnot, but it, it's, it's difficult. Um, so it, it can be extremely difficult as a competitor to know what is going on, and that is why you rely on the expediters to help. Um, help, you know, it's their job to make sure that people get to the right spot. So, um, as I understand it, this expediter gave incorrect information as far as either who was on stage or an appropriate ETA for when she needed to be ready, and therefore she was missed. So, um, my question is. The head judge, who apparently was a, a new head judge at this show, again, I don't have all the relevant details. I'm trying to get information from the NPC. They have stopped responding to my emails, so um, I'm going to make myself very annoying here very soon. Um, and uh, they, they acknowledge fault in this, and they, they are prepared to, to refund entry fees and all of that stuff, which is great. Um, so you acknowledge it. My, my question then is, how did this happen and how is it getting fixed going forward? I don't need retribution. I don't need heads to roll necessarily or anything like that. I want to know where did the breakdown in communication happen. I want to know that you looked into it, you figured out what happened, and you're going to fix it. Um, and so I believe the head judge was somebody who is new um, to, to being a head judge for this show um, and was apparently like really, really disengaged based on feedback that I've heard uh, and... Uh, really moving things along at a very fast speed, which, you know, on some level I can appreciate that. But if you're not going to take the time to recognize, hmm, this class is supposed to have, you know, 14 people up here and we've only got 12. Where are the other two? Maybe get into your fucking microphone that you have as a head judge, call an expediter out on stage and say, hey, we are missing competitors number such and such and such and such. Can you find them, please? Because this is a big fucking deal and we need them out here on stage. It is unconscionable as a head judge that you would have any reaction other than that. Consider for just one damn second the effort that people put in, the expense that they put forth in order to get up on that stage. And because you want to have a nice, efficient runtime for your finals, you're not even going to give people an opportunity to overcome a mistake that somebody else made and get themselves out on stage. It is ridiculous. Uh, and I'm not okay with it. And I don't think anybody needs to be okay with it. And, you know, there, there is somebody out there who has a fourth-place trophy and somebody who has a fifth-place trophy that realistically they shouldn't have got because they weren't in the top five who has that right now. And you know what? That's fine. It, it's how it happened. I do not fault them at all. Uh, but then there's somebody who, who went home with nothing who should have had something. And more than the, the hardware or the recognition – I find the more of the issue to be with the principle of it um, and the fact that y you can't run a show like that where, I mean, you, you are talking about a cross-country flight and a very expensive registration for the show, which they're refunding, but still, that doesn't cut it. Um, there, there was a year of planning 
and in prep that went into this show. You know, it was chosen a long time ago. So it's not just the pre-contest four months that we spent getting ready for this show, but all the time in advance, this was the show we were working towards. So I'm, I'm furious over this thing, and it's completely and totally unacceptable. Uh, so I'm going to stay on the NPC's ass about this. Um, Kristen is still chasing down a refund, so I'm going to wait until she gets that. <laughs> we have confirmation of that before I start ruffling some feathers and pissing some people off, because I'm going to, and I will keep you posted on that. So um, more to come on that, more to come. So uh, lastly here, um, and I just, you know, I started recording this episode and then I, uh, I put the pause on things and wrapped up some other stuff here. So now I'm coming back here at the 40 minute mark here. Um, and I'm saying, Hey, guess what? It's been a while, but I have a new blog post online. Finally, it's up as of about an hour ago. Well, I'm recording this at 1130. You'll hear it later. It went up at about 1030. So um, this is a blog post on progressive overload. So we're talking about, you know, Mark's question about sustaining intensity and keeping it up and high throughout. How do we do that? You know, progressive overload is the answer there. Um, and I had a conversation with him about this recently. And you know, a lot of people think of progressive overload as just what happens week to week. But it's also very important to see what happens set to set as well. So uh, within the same week. So what I did is I wrote up my thoughts on that. And rather than try and recap them here, well, you know what? I might, I might share a little bit here. Let me... Uh, um, but I, I wrote it up and I plugged in examples as well. And um, they're, they're examples from my logbook. So you can see like how I applied this as well. I think it's, it's useful to see some real, real numbers um, so that you can really put it more into a little bit more of a practical space. Um, so I, I said, you know, when it comes to progressive overload, the big picture concept is pretty basic. The more you lift, the more you grow. And if you consistently lift the same weights, weights, same weights week after week and month after month, your body won't change unless you're brand new to all of this, in which case you can get results doing practically anything, which is not an excuse to avoid learning the right way to do stuff. Muscle growth is an adaptation to a changing stimulus. And if the stimulus doesn't change and increase in difficulty, what are you expecting your body to adapt? to. That's the general overriding concept behind progressive overload. It has been studied ad nauseum. It is accepted science. It is fact. We know it works. Um, there is really no debate on that. But it goes beyond just weekly progression. Um, and what I say here is it's unrealistic, not to mention counterproductive and potentially unsafe, to jump into an exercise right at your maximum weight on the first set. Even if you're warmed up, you're just getting into it and your body needs to adjust. And while you will be fatiguing more as you go from set one up through set four or whatever, you'll also be getting into a groove. You're going to be moving more efficiently and improving your skill and technique on the exercise. So I would fully expect you to realize some bumps in weight and output as you progress through each set. Again, coming at it from a sub-maximal weight to start off. Like if I know, okay, my 10 rep max on bench is 245. I'm not going to open with 245 um, because you don't do your max on your first attempt at something. Um, the, the other thing is that there's a little uh, snippet in this article about you know, we're not power lifters. So it's not all about weight output. It's about performance. And I, I kind of define performance as being the adjustment in weight over time. So progression. Uh, progression and performance are the same thing in my book, um, but that's different from raw weight output. Like, I don't care if I can bench 405. The question is, if I was benching 225 a few weeks ago, can I bench 245 now? That That's progression, and that's much more relevant than your raw output. Um, 
there's some things to watch, you know, some things in which uh, this can kind of break down or there's some complicating factors. And then I do I do three examples here of a, uh, a T-bar row where I track my performance over four weeks, um, a V-squat where I track my performance over three weeks with some crazy jumps where I start off, uh, well, you know, I realize about a, that's a greater than a 50% jump in max weight um, by between week one and three. That's pretty significant. And then a, a pull down is the last example where I do four sets with a descending rep pattern. Um, and I, I top out in uh, week one at 180 pounds and in week four at 250 pounds. There's some realizations that happen. There are some light bulbs that go off here. There was a little bit of regression on the third week of that last example because, you know, I, I, it was from a while back. I didn't make notes as to what was in my head, but clearly something was distracting me there. My performance was off, not just on that move, but on a lot of things for that uh, particular workout. So um, it was kind of a bad day. I still did okay, but things came down a little bit, but then I bounced back in the final week. So uh, it's worth a look. If you go to, um, it'll be posted on my Instagram. I'm going to um, put up a post for that, and it'll be linked from my profile. Um, it'll be linked on Facebook. And uh, if you just go to the website and click on blog on the far right or from the menu, um, it'll be the first thing that pops up. And it is called Understanding Progressive Overload. So check that out, uh, and you may have some questions answered. So, um Anyway, that's it. That's what I got. So uh, once again, the phone lines are open, 865-518-2974. Give me a call. Let's chat about some stuff. I'm not actually going to talk to you, but uh, we'll talk about what you had to say at least. Um, that's it. I hope everybody has a great weekend. I am going to be lazy this weekend. Got to play tonight, some music tomorrow, a little bit of music mixing over the weekend as well, a little guitar practice, a little drum practice, a little uh, plan writing, and some peak week stuff on Sunday as well. I've got a big uh, big Saturday coming up um, a week after tomorrow um, on the 27th with a few people competing. So lots of stuff to, to uh, get ready for that. So I'm going to be on that. I will be busy. I will catch up with you hopefully on Monday next week. Like I said, if not Monday, Friday, we'll check then. Hope everybody has a great